0: You know, think about this. We might be old friends. We may have known each other for 10 years. Okay, check, Yep. done. And if I'm your past client, well, your MLS knows that I'm your past client. And yet I may have just registered on your IDX. I may have just been a new lead for you in Zillow. So you need to have a system that's smart enough to know that both of those things can happen at the same time and send out the right messaging to that
1: person. Right. You're listening to The Real Estate Sessions. I'm your host, Bill Risser with Fidelity National Title, Tampa District. Thanks for tuning in as we uncover the stories of leaders in our industry. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 215 of The Real Estate Sessions podcast. I've been saying this a lot lately. This is somebody I should have had on my show um, a long time ago. So my apologies up front. You'll understand when you hear who the guest is today. Uh, I'm in Safety Harbor, Florida. I am at the headquarters, HQ, for HG Happy Grasshopper. And I couldn't be more thrilled to interview uh, the founder and CEO of Happy Grasshopper, Dan Stewart. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Oh,
0: gosh. Thank you, Bill. Thank you so
1: much. And welcome to HGHQ. <laughs> yeah, it's very <laughs> cool here. I got the tour, got to meet a few of the people. Uh, you know, one of, their, one of your top salesmen, wasn't mm-hmm. he here just recently? Yep. Ben, yeah. right? That's right. Ben Stewart? Ben Stewart. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, That's great. I love and that. And w- we actually
0: have one of uh, our writers is named Ron Stewart. Ah. But no relation. No relation. No relation. Just, we just, just happen to share these last names.
1: All the cool kids are named Stuart. Uh, not all of them, but okay. you know, as many as possible, Okay, for sure. Look, <laughs> like Dan, you and I go back a long ways. I, I think, if I remember right, it was a 2009 or 2010 Inman Connect in San Francisco. Mm. Startup Alley. So which one would yeah. that have been? 2010?
0: That would have been 2010. 2010. Maybe 2011.
1: Okay, maybe. It's you and Celeste mm-hmm. at a exactly booth, right. yep. handing out. Like chocolate. the very first chocolate chocolate-covered <laughs> Exactly crickets, right. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. And then um and then over the years we've stayed connected through that inman of that inman crew. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, but but I wanna I wanna ask you this question. For me, that seems like that was a long time ago, not like time has flown by. Yeah. How how about for you with what you've accomplished lately? Oh,
0: it it feels like at the same time, it feels like ten minutes ago and several lifetimes ago. <laughs> It's amazing to me because I can remember everything about that. I can remember seeing my friend Chris Smith up on stage thinking, "Wow, how did he get to be there?" and then discovering that he's from Lakeland, Florida, where I used to live and like the thing about what we do is we build relationships with people. You do, I do, your audience does. Yep. It's the most important thing that we can do and you know, it, it to me it's a gift and a treasure to have more People in my life, you know. So anytime I get to meet people in an event, like when we met, right. and and here we are nearly a decade later, yeah. still connected. That's amazing. That's a solid win, right? Yeah,
1: big time. I, yeah, I, I was, uh, I really was excited about the the, the product then. It's come so far since Mm. 2011, right, when you really just kind of first launched the product. And uh, um, we're going to talk a lot about that a little bit later in the show. But I want to start with your Florida roots because you're a native, a native Floridian. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. Where did you, where, what part of the state were you born in? I know you've lived around different spots. Oh, yeah. So let's, let's, let's travel around the state of Florida. I am a nearly
0: native Floridian. Nearly native Floridian. Gotcha. Yeah. I was actually born in West Virginia. I lived there for two months. Okay. Two formative months, Bill. And, and then uh, (laughs) we moved to Chicago where I lived for five years. Okay. And then we moved to Florida. And, Uh, My father was a civil engineer, he worked as a general contractor, so we followed the construction trade all over Florida. I had 14 schools before I graduated high school. We moved every six months to two years throughout my childhood.
1: Like the longest I lived anywhere was those five years in Chicago. I wonder if that has a direct uh, impact on how important relationships are to you. Yeah. I'm just thinking, (laughs) Yeah, you had to be a a very good relationship builder. (laughs) That's right. You had to be good at what you did early. Well, not only that, but I'm old AF, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, no. That's me. <laughs> nice try. I appreciate well, the effort. I appreciate the effort. The, but. the
0: point is, I was a kid before social media. We had to work hard to stay in touch with people. Oh, right? yeah, absolutely. I mean, it wasn't as easy as, as we've got it today. It
1: usually was out front. Or over at the old lady's house that had the pomegranates that we would roll under the cars that drove by or something, right? That's where the connecting happened. Yeah. So what what part? If you had to pick a city in Florida that felt like you know maybe your high school years or what was kind of that? What was that city? Because well,
0: I had three high schools, and you know they all like were at different formative places for me. Uh, I went to – my freshman year was down at Lakewood High School in St. Petersburg, and that was a fantastic experience. I love going to school at Lakewood. That was great. And then uh, we moved to Clearwater. I went to Pinellas Park High School there for a while, and that was also a great experience. And then we moved across the state to New Smyrna Beach, which is where I graduated from high school, and uh, it was great over there. I mean, I I love the west coast of Florida, right, but you can't surf here. You need right. a hurricane to go surfing. Right. And uh, you could go play with the sharks anytime you want in New Smyrna Beach. The yeah. waves are pretty consistent.
1: I, I made my first trip over there about a month ago. And I think you caught uh yeah. post and said, yeah. hey, I used to live there. And uh, I'm actually of, uh, over there now about once every six weeks. And I, I'm looking forward to that trip every single time. Yeah. I, mean, I grew up in San Diego. Yep. There were waves. I, it was a real ocean. <laughs> and so it, it's really cool over there. Yeah. Love it. Let, me, let me ask you this. Sure. Um I've had conversations with you where, first I was kind of shocked and surprised. But I mean, I people that know you know that you play the piano or the guitar. The guitar. And you sing. Um, people know that you. Uh, maybe they, they don't know this part. Surfer, hmm. skateboarder. Yeah. Probably a snowboarder. Never snowboarded. Okay, I Not just once. guess you'd like to. Hellraiser. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk talk to me about growing up in Florida and, you know, what it was like for you. Were you, you know, out there on a surfboard when you lived over in New Smyrna Beach? Just... Well, you know, we moved so much yeah. that I, I
0: decided just to dive in. Like the first several moves, you get uh, caught up in the fact that you're losing all your friends again And, you know, it's easy to, like, recede into doing nothing. So a big part of my personality just wants to stay home and read. Like, you know, I could easily be a full-time introvert. Honestly, I could slide into that. And yet there's also a huge part of me that wants to get out there and mix it up. Uh, I love physical activity. So, you know, I I do things to stay active today. Mm -hmm. Uh, I discovered skateboarding in my childhood, and I did that really aggressively until I was about 38, And finally destroyed my knee, right? So
1: well let's well hold on one second. You were aggressively skateboarding into your late thirties. I was, yeah. Like Pipes and bowls and that kind of stuff. Exactly, yeah. Big air, that kind of stuff.
0: Not so much the big air at 38, <laughs> but de- definitely the the half pipes wow. and the bowls and the parks, yeah. Wow. So today it's more of a every now and then I soul skate and okay. I feel like I'm about to kill myself if I try to do anything too aggressive. Okay,
1: so no ollies, nothing funny. Oh, like an ollie's fine. Oh, yeah, yeah
0: no. Like, yeah, I'm not going to drop in on a 10 foot okay. f- pipe. With but to this day, if I asked you time.
1: to like, you know, kind of grind against a park bench or something that was up there, you'd still be able to pull it off. Oh, uh,
0: well, I probably wouldn't try to do a grind onto a park bench. Okay. But I could
1: power slide next to the park bench. <laughs> That's awesome. So. I love it. <laughs> We're finding out so much about Dan. This is great. <laughs> um, I, I, before we get into your career and, and school and stuff, I, I wanted to... Let everybody know about a wonderful experience I shared with your family, right? Your daughter, Emily, is a, um, a very high-level uh, gymnast, and I was able to attend a competition at the, at the trop, that Tropicana. That was so cool that you came oh out my for God. that, Bill. I, Thank I, you. Look- I was blown away by what I saw there. Um, the, first of all, the way that the entire field was laid out, right? With yeah. multiple events going on at multiple times. Um, you gave me a great lesson in in the levels of these different uh, gymnasts and the numbering system for how they work and where it's a they're lot. Yeah, it's pretty it's <laughs> It pretty is intense. a lot. But I was so blown away and just impressed by the fact that everyone, your entire family was there. You, your wife, your, your son, your other son, your other daughter, uh, they were there uh, enjoying this you know, event with Emily. And I just wanted to say um, I think that's super cool and super um, – just something that I I would always think someone had a way to get out of it. Like one of those, you know, maybe the other son or daughter had something going on. Yeah. But that's not the case. Oh, I don't the think stewards, Emily the will stewards let get away with that. Yeah. <laughs> how, no, how old is Emily?
0: <laughs> she's 11. Okay. Yeah, she's 11 years old. And, yeah. And, you know, she's amazing. Like as a parent, I think – the thing you hope for is your kid will be really interested in something and you can just support them in whatever that is. Yeah. You know, so neither my wife or I were gymnasts, like that wasn't us. This is her thing that she loves. We're we don't have the the experience, the ability, or even the the interest to try to be her coach, right? Right, right? We just need to be on the sidelines, loving her, supporting her from the stands, and it means so much that the rest of the family comes out for that. And you know, like I can't thank you enough, Bill. It, it's so so cool that you took time out of your life to come share that with us. Well,
1: like I'm I. My wife has said it could be a Tiddlywinks w- event, and I'm going to go. I love sports. <laughs> yes, all you All sports. And it was very impressive to watch. What you're, uh, what Emily does at the age of eleven, and I'm sure this was a good nine months ago, a while yeah. ago, that she's probably progressed since then. So uh, she won the state championship since then. So wow. that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Uh,
0: that was cool, and and she's progressing nicely. She you know hopes someday to represent the U.S. at the Olympic games. Wow, we'll see. Yeah,
1: Emily Stewart. Folks. No pressure, Emily. No, no pressure. No, she won't. Don't let her listen to this yeah, episode. someday
0: <laughs> if I'm known as Emily's dad instead of Dan, that's totally fine. Totally cool. Totally fine. I yep. love
1: it. So you, uh, when college rolls around, you go to USF. So you're back on this side of the state, mm-hmm. right? So let's talk about what your plans were at USF. What were your, uh, you know, what was the long range goal as you're entering college? Oh gosh, yeah. Did I you wish have one? I
0: wish I was smart enough to have had a long range yeah. goal. I, I think a lot of people are blessed with an idea of what they're going to do. I was not that guy. I had so many interests. I you know, I I might have been a software engineer, I might have been an actor, right? <laughs> I could have gone in so many different directions and I got lucky. I got offered some scholarship money to study the arts. So my first 2 years were uh, funded by music scholarship and my last 2 years by theater scholarship.
1: So, I mean, I got to have so much fun in college, right? And you can't ask for anything better than that. Was there a plan to move off into that realm after school, or did you kind of always know that wasn't going to be a path? Yeah,
0: I kind of always knew. Okay. I
1: really did. And,
0: you know, I felt a little conflicted about that because if you knew me in fifth grade, I was the kid with the paper bag full of gum that he was selling for 10 cents a piece, right? <laughs> That's nice. Like I bought a bicycle selling gum at school. Wow. So I always had this little like entrepreneurial side hustle aspect to my life. Right. And the idea of trying to pursue a creative career. Like my idea was I want to I want to pour myself into a business. I want to build something substantial. And then I'll look at retiring young, and you know, then if I want to, I can pursue a creative, uh, creative, you know, day to day purpose. And what I discovered, because I don't know if you know, Happy Grasshopper is actually my seventh company, right? Um, so I did that. I hit that goal, and yeah. I, there's just nothing better than being fully invested in something you believe in, day in and day out. And for me, it's really hard to make that like playing golf or going sailing. Those are fun things to do, but I think life is about more. It's about engaging and interacting and, you know, that, that feels really good to get to do every day.
1: So, what was the first uh, the first gig for you out of school? I know you. We're going to talk about the entrepreneurial side of Dan Stewart and yeah. the companies you have started and okay. and sold and done things with. But let's talk about what's that first thing you did? Was it did you start a company right away? Oh no, okay. absolutely yeah. not.
0: Uh, I didn't have the confidence, quite frankly, to start a company right out of college, uh, and I didn't have the uh, the even the sense of what I might do, like. Uh, the basic sense of how things work in business wasn't really embedded in me at that point even though i had i had been entrepreneurial since i was a kid the idea of doing that for real quote for real right was was a really intimidating thing to me then so my first real job my you know not waiting tables not bartending any longer not mm-hmm. all those little jobs i'd had but Uh, I started my career selling Yellow Pages ads for GTE directories in St. Petersburg, Florida, right? Wow. And this is the mid-90s, and the Yellow Pages still worked then. Like, If you did not have a great campaign in the Yellow Pages, your phone was not going to ring as a business owner. And that's where I got infected with the idea of becoming self-employed, because every day I'd go out and I'd meet with business owners, right? Every day I'd sit down with an entrepreneur and I'd hear about their goals and their challenges and... And you know, the first year, I wasn't very good, right? The second, third years, it got better, and by the time I was starting my fourth year, I just couldn't stand being on that side of the table anymore. I had to get involved. I had to start my own business. Okay, so I did. I failed. Ninety days later, I was looking for a job again.
1: What was that first? <laughs> what was that first? The first job. This is so first, ironic. I love so it. So ironic. The first company you started. Yeah.
0: Well, I was so good at selling. I figured, yeah. well, I'll just sell sales training. To companies, oh, sure. it'll be great. Sure, and it wasn't great, Bill, because <laughs> I I wasn't smart enough to have more than a ninety day reserve. Like I had to succeed right away, or I could not possibly uh, continue. And you know, I had a young child, two young kids at home at that point, and uh, there was just no runway.
1: There gotcha. was there was no runway. So, so lesson I, number one, yeah, right? have a runway. Have a runway. <laughs> if <you're gonna> start <laughs> yeah. your company. So you learned that early. Yep, so I did. I'm sure that led to. I'm sure there was some tough times there, but what did you do? What was the next company you started? Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's go to the next one.
0: Well, so I had this network of people I'd met through Yellow Pages, Mm -hmm. right? All these entrepreneurs, and you know, like I had been taught to do from the time I was a small kid, I kept in touch. So one of my clients who owned a construction firm uh, down in Sarasota. Uh, he had all the trade skills, all the business acumen, had an MBA in finance, like everything I didn't have, that guy had. And I had the ability to get stuff sold. Okay. So I took a job for him uh, learning to sell construction projects and then to manage them. And I was able to build a substantial income there, and then we partnered uh, to start my first company, which was a my my first my second company, I should say, yeah. my first one that worked, okay. <laughs> which okay. was a, a geotechnical contracting company. And then I wow. spent the next fifteen years uh, fixing sinkholes, like remediating deep soil subsurface problems that caused billions of dollars of property losses in the state of Florida. Right. So you, you got
1: into real estate early. You just didn't know it was going to be a part of your life later.
0: Well, the, the <laughs> idea that I wasn't a licensed real estate agent at age 18 to me is insane because every one of those moves, we bought and sold a home. Like I can't even tell you how formative that was for me as a kid to see that process and to watch my parents deal with like negative equity in 1982. Oh yeah, right, have an asset they couldn't get rid of if their life depended on it. Right, like we saw all that stuff. So I I really I should have
1: been in real estate from day one. Wow, geotechnical. Somewhere along the line, you decide to to play in the I guess I can call it CRM space or. You know, kind of um, data management space as well. Yeah, how does that happen?
0: Well, so remember the comment about being in college and yes. thinking I might go down the computer software side. Mm-hmm. Uh, my roommate Bill Hines and I we we had a bulletin board board network running out of our apartment. Nice. And you know, so we're for, for you, like millennial, early internet. <laughs> Can you yeah, what that is? <laughs> it's internet with like stone and chisel. Oh, nice. Right? Good. Yeah, yeah like it's that. kind yeah. of what we were doing. Okay. And the the whole point of these bulletin board networks was to trade cracked video games. So we had the Amiga system set up, and we had like all this traffic. We were absolutely huge at that point in time, and. You know, so the, the reason I bring this up is because you need to understand I'm a geek, right? Yep. I love technology. I've always been interested in it. Right. And at my geotechnical company, we started to need software that we couldn't find, right? So the way it started, like think how simple this problem is. As a contractor, you have to enter one set of data in as many as 16 different permit applications to get a project to go through. Wow. right? yeah, so if you make a mistake in that one of those data entry points, a permit that might take six months to get might take twelve or eighteen months. Like you just can't have that sort of problem, right. So all I wanted when I started was a single point of entry for project contact data that would automatically spray that into every form that would complete the permit application project. Wow. Um, so what we ended up with was that, plus some rudimentary CRM things built on top of it. And then I thought, well, gosh, wouldn't it be great if I could tie some marketing into this? So we added an email marketing component and then a scheduling component And then a goals management component, like it grew and it grew and it grew. What
1: year is this that we're talking about?
0: Uh, We started building this in 2005 just for us, right? Mm -hmm. And about 2006, I was like, hey, Bill, look how cool this thing is. (laughs) Let's keep going. Come look at this thing, right? So I would share it with my friends and they would say things like, yeah, it is cool. Can I use it? And I started thinking, ooh, I think we've got a business here. Right. So in 2007, that became a business, okay. and then I sold that company in 2010. So uh, we we grew kind of quickly. We turned into a white-label CRM solution for the franchise industry. So wow. we supported people all over the world using our stuff uh, that you know bought it as part of a franchise. So it went out under their brand, mm-hmm. and this is where I discovered the need for Happy Grasshopper, right? Because right? think about this. There are a million ways to send messages today. Like there's Samsung makes a refrigerator that can text you and tell you you're out of milk. That's right. It's stupid easy to send a message today. And it's crazy hard to send a message that people will actually engage with, right? Uh,
1: Yeah. Well, the numbers bear that out? It's a challenge.
0: Absolutely. It's a challenge. So the way that looked at our CRM company is we had all these members all over the world. 100% of whom had our service for one specific reason, sending messaging. Right. And only 18% of them ever sent a single message in the system. Wow. Right? So that's what kept me up at night. I would look at that data and I'd, I'd be sick. Like, what can I do to get these people to use this thing they're paying for? Ah! It really felt bad. Right. And that's when we discovered that the problem was they didn't know what to say. They didn't know how frequently to say it. <laughs> right. They didn't know who to say it to, and they didn't know for how long they needed to keep saying it. So the the first iteration of Happy Grasshopper was just a simple market test. Like, will people even let us write stuff for them? Right. Let's find out. So I put up a landing page in like twenty minutes and here we are almost ten years later.
1: Wow. <laughs> it's crazy. So when you when we like going back to that Inman Connect, right, mm-hmm. in San Francisco, when you were you had this up and running? You'd already gone through the test phase or were you still kind of in a part of that just to kind of see if this will work? Uh,
0: What we were doing was validating the real estate space at that point. Gotcha. So any good entrepreneur is always trying to shoot their child in the head, right? We're looking at this new business that we've just created and we're trying to figure out why it shouldn't exist. Right. Like, you know, you've got to look at it that way. Does this deserve to thrive? Does this deserve to get my time, my life, my blood and my treasure invested in it? And so the first step was, will people let us write for them? The answer was yes. And then we noticed uh, there's a real estate trainer in Texas named Chris Tapkin. And he would go from Austin to Houston to Dallas. That was his like three areas that he would go to. And every time he'd stop at a new place, we'd get like 40 new members. I was like, huh, why are we getting 40 new real estate clients like every two weeks? <laughs> What's going on here? So we tracked it back to Chris, and then we thought, hey, maybe the real estate vertical is worth focusing on. So that's when we met. Okay, That was us trying to figure out, is real estate is a place we space? should focus? And then it was Ben Kinney who caused me to still be here 10 years later. I was going to say, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ben,
1: uh, ben took it to a whole new place, he, right? He,
0: well, he just... He blew us up. It was him yeah. and Chad Hyams. Remember, they were doing IMSD, Internet Marketing Specialist designation, yep. right?
1: Sure sure do. So
0: I get a call from Ben Kinney, and uh, this is my Ben impression. So, Ben, if you're listening, I'm sorry, right? He goes, hi, this is Ben Kinney, <laughs> right? His That's voice exactly is so right. deep, right? It's exactly right. And I'm like, oh, right. hi, how are yeah. you? Because <laughs> I have no clue who Ben Kinney is. Right. And he goes, well, I'm using your stuff, and I like it. Can I uh, tell some people about it? I'm like, sure. Yeah, absolutely. That We're brand new. We need people to talk about us. Right, absolutely. Right. And then, you know, the call ended and I forgot all about it. And like two, three weeks later, Celeste is sitting across from me and she goes, Dan, I think we're being hacked. And I'm like, why? And she goes, look at the traffic. It's out of control. So we had something like a thousand people visit our website all at the same time. And well over 100 people signed up just from his mention there. Wow. And, you know, so going back in time, I owe Ben a car, like <laughs> probably a house
1: at this point. Yeah.
0: And uh, he won't even let me buy him coffee. Just, I love that dude. That's Good
1: great. man. Yeah. I'm actually meeting with Michelle Herndon later. Oh, great. Part of, part of Ben's uh, yeah, team, right? Yeah, yeah So I'll be, absolutely. I'll be chatting with her next week. So. Sweet. Let's get more into the details of Happy Grasshopper. Right? Sure. So early on, and I, I like to say that I still have my original account. And thank you so much for grandfathering in the pricing, you know, yep. for the basic is which <laughs> is what I use it for. Mm-hmm. I through every three weeks I craft an email. Um, <laughs> let me take that back. I select <laughs> an email and craft a PS line, right. usually about the podcast, perfect, and send that out to a, about three hundred people, mm-hmm. just so they can stay I can stay connected to them. Um, that that tool, obviously. You know, when you're going to continue to grow the company, you had to grow the offering. Mm-hmm. And so, I remember what it was HG Touch, and all of a sudden there was the opportunity for for uh, for even a brokerage to be interviewed and and to create yeah. very specific messaging yeah. right. Was that the first big leap that H that Happy Grasshopper took?
0: Yeah, it was. It was the first big leap. So when you started with us, we were still in validation stage. Right. So everyone got the same like three messages to choose from right. once every three weeks. Right. And, uh, you know, pretty soon we, we started running into problems there. Like we get a call from someone saying, oh, I love that message. It works so well with my sphere, but I sent it to my leads and it doesn't work. And we go, well, yeah, of course, it's not a message you'd send to leads. Like, why would you think that would work? Right. And it just it kind of created this recognition on our part that we could really provide a lot more value for people if we looked at, more of their holistic messaging needs rather than just one specific little area. So it was about 2013 that we started offering custom content where members would now have an option of being interviewed by one of our professional writers. And then we could have all the lead response, the recruitment messages, the lead conversion messages, all those long-term nurturing campaigns be 100% custom written. And that's when things really blew up for us.
1: Let's talk about copywriting. Sure, I think it's. I'm a copywriting fanboy. I think right. it's. It is so difficult to do well. I think it's. I think it's underappreciated. But that's the fact that somebody can write like a letter and send it out to a bunch of people and generate a million dollars. That's Dan Kennedy and all those. Yeah, those all people, the direct response. All guys. those guys who did yep. it for years and made it work. You're doing it now in this digital space. Talk, mm-hmm. talk about first of all. How do you find these people? I know a few of them. Right? Yeah. They're they're there are people that we know, uh I've known from from the real estate space. Mm-hmm. But talk about the importance of that and how it's not for everybody. <laughs> How's that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so
0: you're saying it's not for everybody and to I'm do, saying to accomplish. Yeah, for sure. And I'm saying there's no such thing as one size fits all. Ah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, let's just look at our space in the real estate world. Um, sure. uh, Currently, we're nurturing about 16 million contacts for clients in real estate, okay? We send hundreds of millions of messages per year. So we can slice and dice that data and we can say, here's what works, here's what doesn't work, right? And yet what we're not saying is, well, let's only send the very best stuff, right? Because there's a difference between Bill and Anthony and, and everyone. Like each of you are a unique, specific individual person. Right. And if I'm your past client, I can tell that you're sending me marketing crap, right? (laughs) I can tell. Yes, you can. Yeah. If I'm an existing client of yours, I know who you are, right? right? And so, you know, we've gone through this relationship, this emotional journey of buying or the transaction process, buying or selling a home is is an emotional journey, Right. right? So I know you. Yeah. And if I get content from you that makes me feel like my only value is as a marketing target, That's a massive fail in the relationship department. Sure is. You know, you ever notice how the people are most successful? They're not. They don't seem salesy. You're absolutely right. They're not. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
1: They're they're they're, yeah they're they're there to to help, to Mm -hmm. serve, to fix problems. Yeah. You know, I can throw out the Sean Carpenter thing, right? Yeah. Problems and having fun is a big part of a successful realtor. Yeah.
0: How much of his carp art has to do? I mean, come on, right? but it's something we're known we we know him for yep. right something Absolutely. he's consistently done
1: yep. over the years yep yeah yeah that's cool let's talk about databases yeah i've seen you speak multiple times mm-hmm. and generally the the center the focus of that conversation is somebody's database and how valuable that is yeah and in you know we're off looking for new people we're doing all these things to generate this traffic this right. holy grail of leads which I hate that word. I'm, I've mm-hmm. come up with a new one. I call them opportunities for conversations. How's that? Is that okay? Yeah, it's a bit wordy, but we'll I know work on it. Yeah, it works in a class. <laughs> um, but uh, thanks, thanks for the help. Uh, um, but let's talk about your the, this just how important that that is. What every agent listening to this you know episode needs to know. Yeah. To to take care of that.
0: Well, so if you're listening, you're probably thinking, "Oh God, my database, yuck." And we get it, right? It's so easy for it to get out of control. And think of where your contacts are. They're in your phone. They're in your email. They're in your MLS. They're in this CRM and that CRM. They're in this lead source and that lead source. And if you have a team, well, that problem is multiplied by every agent that's on the team, right? right? So the the first most critical thing that we have to do for our members is to bring a discipline of organization in that database. So – you know, let's just we'll, – we'll create a hypothetical agent here, and we'll say they've got a uh, top producer, right? They've got, uh, say, KV Core okay. or Boomtown or Commissions, Inc. or Real Estate Webmasters or Firepoint, right? There's something that's provided to this agent by their team or by their brokerage, mm-hmm. right? So they have contacts there. Then they have contacts in their email, contacts in their MLS. It just goes and goes and goes. So first thing we've got to do is export from all those places into one central file, and then we need to deduplicate them, title case correct them, and then organize them for messaging. So, you know, think about this. We might be old friends. We may have known each other for 10 years. Okay? Check. Yep. Done. And if I'm your past client... Well, your MLS knows that I'm your past client. And yet I may have just registered on your IDX. I may have just been a new lead for you in Zillow. So you need to have a system that's smart enough to know that both of those things can happen at the same time and send out the right messaging to that person.
1: Right. Let's, I I want to take this further because I saw you at Explode um, talk about. The, you know, the, what Happy Grasshopper is today, because mm-hmm. it is so different yeah. than the Happy Grasshopper I saw in right. 2011 at yep. MN Connect. So let's give me, give me that. It's, I don't want to call it a sales pitch. I just want to know the facts. Tell me, yeah. what does Happy Grasshopper sure. do today?
0: Well, so if there is a category we're in, we're database nurturing experts. Okay. And we provide a tech platform and the managed services that go on top of that platform so that you just get the results that you're looking for. And people hire us for three things. They need help with lead conversion. They need help with recruitment. Or they need help with their past clients and sphere of influence. So those are the three areas that we work within. Uh, and then, of course, we write and deliver a heck of a lot of email, right? right? We send text messaging, we send handwritten cards, we send voicemail drops. And uh, I don't know when this will be heard, but we're nearly done with our Facebook Messenger integration. Wow. So you know our whole purpose is to enable our members to have the conversations that lead to more contracts. I
1: and mean, it's it's that simple. You want more contracts, you need to have more conversations. right. The ability to put all that in one space in one place mm-hmm. is awesome. Because that's all available piecemeal somewhere else yeah, in some other place, right. kind of, but sure. not with the same um, focus. Mm-hmm. I'm going to even use the word intensity as I sit here staring at you, <laughs> how <laughs> right. much you love Intense. what you're doing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that's just awesome. So you're working down this path you had mentioned way earlier in the conversation that you want to get to the point where you can have that fun you want to have, where you can go off and have those experiences. Is this the last company for you? Is there going to be another one after this? Do you know? Oh, gosh. That's a fun question, right? So
0: I know that I'm always going to need to be deeply invested in something I care about. Okay. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, for more than 10 years, I've been really privileged to work here as a labor of love. Like, I love what I do sincerely. I love to travel the country, I love to help people. I love to be able to experiment and discover new ways to make big impacts. Like, that's all fascinating and wonderful. Um, What I can say is we're not nearly done at Happy Grasshopper. Like, there's so much great stuff that's just ahead for us. So consider this, right? How crazy is this? Today, we know everything about the sender. We take the time to interview them, we know their market conditions, we know their personality type, we know how to sound exactly like them, and yet all that we know about the reader is the source that they came from, the time of day that they registered. So we might know some things about them, but big data is changing that, Bill. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're on the cusp of beginning to know almost as much about the recipient of the message as we know about the sender. So, so think that, how that, that changes that things. That
1: customization of the message gets even more oh, sophisticated, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. I mean, we have, we have. Uh, we have Two patents that are pending right now for technology that we expect to dynamically change wow. this environment. So, so this is
1: a stay tuned kind of. thing. Oh gosh, yeah, it's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, it is so exciting. That's amazing, Dan. I've had you here the half hour. I've asked your time, so I like to honor that. I'm gonna, but I want to wrap it up with the same final question I've asked every guest on the on on the podcast since. Jay Thompson back in episode one. And that is, if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent just getting started, what would it be? Oh, great question. Yeah, so I would say it's express sincere
0: concern. Express sincere concern, right? Whatever, it, it's not enough to have sincere concern. It's not enough to be committed to being that fiduciary. You've got to express it to them. They've got to understand what you've done to be able to help them, right? So even if you're a brand new agent, you've changed your life, right? you studied hard to pass a test, to get a license, to be qualified to to really help someone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a, a really simple thing. I, I just finished reading a book called One Word, and it's all about taking your annual goals and boiling it down into just one word. So I'm trying to to be a little bit more brief here and
1: and I think express sincere concern is a good place to start. There have been 214 episodes before you. That's the first time anyone's come close to expressing that as something a new agent should do. so that's all. Mm-hmm. I love that. And uh, with your permission, we'll be sharing that with uh, as many people as I can. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, cool. Absolutely. Dan, I can't thank you enough for your time. I know I've I've stepped right in here into into uh, HGHQ. This is awesome. Um, and it's been a lot of fun to to kind of get to see behind the curtain, which is cool, which for me was always a green grasshopper <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> on a website somewhere. <laughs>
1: yep. So I really appreciate your time.
0: You're so welcome, Bill. Thank you for having me.